Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 22nd, 2015. Today we're reading from the big book, and we were on page 84, the last paragraph, beginning with, and we have ceased fighting. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Amy E., 12 Traditions, Amy W. The readers are Anita J., Kathleen W., and Alice M. The reference number for Thursday, May 21st, 7656. That's 7656. 08 Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Amy E. to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, fellow visionaries. I'm Amy E. in rural Ohio, abstinent, grateful, and recovered. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. I will now ask Amy W. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. This is Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group uh, should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should uh, remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 
9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to service, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Into Action. We are on page 84. We will be reading the last paragraph on page 84 and going into 85. Our first reader will be discussing the first four sentences of this paragraph and the second reader will be discussing, we will be commenting on the second four sentences of this paragraph. And with that, Anita J., can you start reading for us, please? Yes, I can. Thank you, Monica. And this is Anita J., a recovered compulsive overeater uh, in Massachusetts. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. You know, I never thought that this was more than just words on a page, but since the middle of last July, when I felt uh, that I am now a recovered compulsive overeater, this has been true. It's been true since the middle of July. That was in the middle of my Step 9 amends. But I never totally realized it till this January, this past January when my husband was in a hospital and then a rehab for five months, five weeks. And, and I was alone. I was alone with all the stuff that people thought should be wonderful Christmas presents breads and all kinds of stuff, and he has his food stash. When he returned five weeks later, there was nothing gone, nothing. The old Anita, who had been in Overeaters Anonymous since 1978, would have replaced his stuff at least five times in five weeks, It was, that's when I realized this is bigger than parting the waters. 
this is big. This is true. This book speaks the truth. Um, those hundred men, how they how they knew, they described what happened to them, and um, I'm describing I'm describing what happened to me, and it can happen to anyone if they finally um, set aside what they thought they knew. I could talk this talk, but the walking of it, I thought I was walking it, but thinking it and actually doing it uh, are two different things. I have now on my wrist um, a Fitbit. I thought it would help me take more steps. And thinking about, I'm going to do 10,000 steps in my head, that's just like, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pick up today in my head, and at night my belly would be full. And at night I've got 1,600 steps. You've got to take the action. So this is coming here, you know. In step 10, I've been do, working the first 10, and actually I've been working them all now. This is quite a gift, and this isn't even the only gift. But this is quite a gift. This is the reason I came into Overeaters Anonymous in the first place. And it's open for anybody, anybody willing to follow this path. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anita. And who would like to comment on the first four sentences of this paragraph? This is Bella. Can I say? Gotcha, Bella. Sally? Good morning. It's Vasa. Vasa? Anybody else? Okay, we'll start with that. Bella, Sally, and Vasa. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. Wow, such a peaceful, a peaceful and freedom Yes, before the program, my life was in a war. It's a winning or losing. And I wanted all the time to be the winner. And all the time, I was the loser. I was in a blame and judging mode. You know, I wanted to be the winner. It's a war. I want to erase you from the map for my life. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now I am in the program. I have the opportunity to live my life. And yes, I am human. I am not perfect. And nobody is perfect. And yes, I accept it. I am limited. And I do mistakes. And thank you, God, I can do amends. And the amends, it's not to say, I am sorry, I am sorry, and continue. No, it's to change belief, to change a behavior. And it's not a war. It's a life. It's okay. I always have the opportunity to learn, to learn new things, and to change, to change my behavior according to a new knowledge. And today, thank you, God, I am not connected anymore to my ego to be a people pleaser and to prove my existence. Today I am connected to an accepting, loving power, and this is the freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Sally, you're up, and then I'll be Vasa. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, and good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And um, so... We are in the chapter into action, and interestingly, they start this paragraph with the word "and," which is, I think, very cool. The way they have linked this paragraph so closely with the last paragraph by starting the first word with "and." So, continuing the thought where we left off, we're going to be practicing love and tolerance. That's our code in the last sentence. And so when we say, and, we're continuing the thought. And then we have the next thought, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. And 
when we look at that sentence, the construction of that sentence, tying it to the last thought, love and tolerance of others is our code, and considering we're in the chapter, into action, charge, and here they're telling us their first order of business is stop, cease, cease fighting anything or anyone. Now, I want to really look at that closer because in step 10 in the 12 and 12 on page 91, they really fill this sentence full. They just take a glass and they fill it full on page 91 in the 12 and 12. They tell us in the middle of the page, our, and we're in step 10 on, in the big book, and we're in step 10 in the 12 and 12. Our first objective will be the development of self-restraint. This carries a top priority rating. The paragraph goes on to tell us that we should be, that nothing pays off like restraint of pen and tongue. And it goes on again in that paragraph to say, our first job is to sidestep the booby trap, the traps. When we are tempted by the bait, we should train ourselves to step back and think. That's the, the pause, ponder, and pray. Step back, pause, think. Don't just run in, for we can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. So they're telling us, now that you're in step 10, you're living in the land of recovery, and we have ceased, stop, pause, ponder, pray. Stop fighting with anyone, anything. Even the alcohol, even the food, for by this time, sanity will have been, will have returned. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Am I next, Monica? Tvasa? Hello? Vasa, your turn. Go right ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was waiting for her to call my name. Thank you. Uh, anyways, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Monica, for your service. And I'm Vasa Orikava, Compulsive Overeater, Grateful Compulsive Overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I just love this part, but I know at the beginning when I became abstinent, the food was calling me, you know. But no matter no matter what, I just kept on going to my meetings and asking God to remove the obsession. But, um, you know, once I came to the place here, it just came. I wish I could tell you when it came, you know, or or the hour came. I think it was like a gradual happening to me. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. At the beginning, I was fighting because, you know, again, I was not used to having those things, you know, in you know, in my food plan. And then and it happened for this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interest and liquor liquor. And that has been so true for me. I I don't entertain that thought anymore. I don't think about it other than when it's time for me to eat. And I mean this is a miracle, you know. God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And, uh, okay, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort in our part. I mean, it is a miracle for me that God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. It just comes. It just comes. This is the miracle, as I said earlier. We are not fighting and neither are we avoiding temptation. And what a freedom. We feel as though we have been placed in position of a nutritional naturally safe and protected and we have not even sworn off instead the problem has been removed and this has been true for me as i said i don't think about it i don't want it i don't want those things that i used to thought i'd die without it doesn't exist for me anymore and and again that that is our experience that that is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And that's the key for me, you know, keeping in fit spiritual 
condition and helping others. I don't have the time to think about the food. I have too many friends. I love my program. I'm so much involved out there. Sometimes I say, oh, my God, it's time to eat already. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And I would like to uh, remind everyone that um, please keep your phones muted. We're having a lot, a lot of background noise here right now. And, and I apologize. I've been having technical difficulties. And who else would like to share on these four sentences? Barbara B. Santa H. Santa Barbara Santa. Rachel W. Rachel Melissa. Renata. I didn't hear the last one. Anna? Renata. Oh, Renata. Kim. Kim. Okay, I got quite a crew here. Let's see. I have Santa, Rachel, Melissa, Renata, and Kim. So, Santa, you're up, and then it'll be Rachel. Good morning, visionaries, and Monica, thank you so much for your service today. My name is Santa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And I love these four lines here as well as everybody else does. And where it says we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And the good thing about that is that they're not just talking about alcohol. And so that takes me to my favorite page on page 417 where it says, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of life unacceptable, unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation being exactly the way it's supposed to be. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. So that means for me today that my world is a perfect world. Absolutely perfect. So if anything's not going my way, it's because it divides my understanding and my ego. And so as long as I remember those words, that means as a result of that, I have sanity. And so the beauty of that is that as long as I cease fighting anything or any, anyone, I will have sanity today. And as a result of that also, the second promise here is that I will seldom have interest in alcohol and, well, for me, alcoholic substances. So that doesn't mean that I will never have food thoughts. I do give food thoughts when I don't do the first two sentences. And so that also reminds me what I want to share on is we're in the Bill story on page 15. Bill stated, he said, my wife and I had abandoned ourselves to the entire enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to their solution of their problem. It is fortunate that my old business associate remained skeptical for a year and a half, doing which I found little work. And all went well for a time, and I was plagued by self-pity and resentment. So that goes to show that just because I came recovered doesn't mean that I don't have food thoughts. They do come. They happen for Bill. They happen for me. So when I get those food thoughts, for me today, I use them as a blessing to let me know that, there is something going on that I need to go and, and look at this that means to go back and do a 10-step. So I no longer get upset with myself that I have food thoughts. I have less and less of them today, thank you, God. But I do look at them as a blessing, as a way of letting me know that I need to go back and see what I'm fighting um, and what I need to do to get, get sanity again so that I, so that I am um, back in, in, in line with where I'm supposed to be. But when I do get those food thoughts, I do recoil like a hot flame, and I don't, go, I don't go after whatever it is that I need to eat over, and I get centered with, with my program. With that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. Rachel, you're up, and then it'll be Melissa. Good morning. This is Rachel W. in New York. Um, am I heard? Yes, Hello? you are. Yes, you are. Oh, super. Thank you, Monica. Thanks for your service and everyone here. Good morning on um, this on the line today. Just wanted to um, talk about the concept of recoiling from something as if I'm touching a hot flame when that very substance was the was my higher power, you know, and to consider the transformation that takes place between me, you know, being in that position of and not knowing and not being able to find my way out and coming to a place where I'm actually recoiling from it. And, you know, very often I, I'm in a, a certain place that I need to go to, and there are items like on a on a circle, like spinning around really slowly, kind of like building up desire to buy them, you know, baked goods. 
And um, I look at them sometimes and I think, you know, they were my higher power. That was my higher power. That's what I used to trust in, you know. But when you look at the last sentence, um, you know, it would be so great. It would be so great if the sentence just ended, this is how we react, you know. Then, then everything would be so much easier, right? But that's not how it is. We have to remain in, in fit spiritual condition. What does that mean? That every single morning I have to make that, I have to do the work. I have to get up and continue doing the work, the focus that, that gives me that, that clarity and that reprieve. And the difference today is when I look at those items, I can see there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. I can actually watch myself. You know, to other people, it's a food item. To me, I see a slow progression into death. Need like I I just, I don't want to do a little um, bit of... Vasa, or someone, you are unmuted. Please mute your phone. I'm sorry, Rachel, go ahead. No problem. Yeah, so just to I say that um, the idea of having that neutrality, it's because I, 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 I'm so grateful that I, I have this vision of the, of the substances that, that um, you know, that I can see there's a clear, for me, a physical, emotional, spiritual death that will occur within that first sight. And that's such a blessing to have that clarity today and to have that reprieve and the neutrality that happens. And I'm just focusing in on the fact that it is, you know, contingent on my spiritual condition. It's not just going to come. You know, it's going to come from reaching out and, and not staying within my own thoughts. And then, you know, if I, if I find my mind or something, you know, going into that area, it's like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. You know, I, I, can, I can, you know, I recoil from that area. Anyway, I'm going to just um, get going. So have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Rachel. And please, would everyone mute their phones, please? We're having a lot of background noise this morning. Someone has their phone unmuted and they're not realizing it, I'm presuming here. Okay. Melissa, you're up. And then Renata. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, when I first started listening to A Vision for You, um, it was one of the first meetings I heard. Somebody talked about um, this dragon that they were fighting all their life, um, their compulsion, and that um, sometimes the dragon was the winner and sometimes they were, and that now that they were recovered, the dragon no longer exists in their kingdom. And that gave me so much hope. That was, um, you know, it was something I, I wrote down and I kept looking at. And um, and I can't believe that, you know, like a year later, I get it. And that's the way I feel. Um, my whole life, I was always fighting um, my compulsion or something, whether it was people or situations um, I had no acceptance, and um, and this is just, you know, it's incredible to not be fighting anything or anyone anymore. And, you know, somebody earlier had read that part about acceptance is, the, you know, the answer to all of my problems today, and that's also something that I really turn to. Um, when I'm fighting, I am not living in acceptance. If, if it is outside of my control, that's exactly where it's meant to be. It's meant to be in my higher power's hands. And, um, you know, it's um, seldom interested in liquor. You know, I'm seldom interested in in my alcoholic foods that, uh, you know, I can serve it (laughs) with zero resentment. You know, I can can cut it. I can put it on my family's plate. I can prepare it. I can hand it out when the neighbors come and ring your bell and trick or treat, and none of it um, is is interesting to me. And the occasional fluttering thought of having more, because that's you know, thank you, my my compulsion to eat those specific foods have been completely removed. But sometimes it's the more um, that I grapple with, and um, but I recoil from that like a hot flame, and. You know, and it's just incredible. And so if someone is listening today thinking impossible, that I could never possibly be in a feeling of um, neutrality with the food, it is possible. The answer really is here. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. 
Renata, you're up, and then it'll be Kim. Hi, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composal Reader in New York. Um, you know, every time I read the 10-step promises, I get overwhelmed with it and uh, because it's, it's just such a miracle, you know. Um, it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. I spent my entire life fighting, you know, uh, um, struggling with the food, with my relationships, you know, with people in general, um, at work, everywhere. It was, you know, it was really, really hard to live. I didn't know how to cope with life, and that's why I ate. And, um, you know, today, but you know, by the grace of God, I have sanity. You know, it says, for by this time, sanity will have returned. What time? You know, after I have gone through this death, after I have done this work, I'll have sanity. Now, you know, I can make decisions based on truth, not based on lies like I used to in, in the past, you know, before going through this death. You know, when that obsession would come in my mind and tell me lies like, you know, one cook is not going to hurt you. You know, you said tomorrow or, you know, things like that, and, um, you know, today I, I I can see the truth, and it all started in step two, you know, when I, when I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, but, you know, just having faith is not enough, right? I had to take action. I had to go through the steps, and, you know, based on that belief that this new higher power would be able to restore me to sanity, would give me freedom. And, you know, on that belief, I walked the steps, and, you know, today that's what I have. For the first time in my life, I'm free. I'm not white-knuckling it. It's not, you know, it's like it says, you know, ahead. It it just comes. But it, it comes after I do the work. It comes because now I have access to the power that I wanted and that I needed my entire life. You know, like that that hole that I've been trying to fill with food is now filled with God. You know, I have access to the power that I needed. And, um, you know, it's, you know, like even when foods, you know, smell good or whatever, like because they do, right? But it's like uh, smelling something like a lotion or shampoo, like the thought of really like eating it doesn't even cross my mind. You know, that's a miracle, you know, uh, having a step ten to, you know, deal with my emotions and whatever happens throughout the day. I mean, this is such a great way to live, you know, having these principles in my life today. is such a blessing and I'm forever thankful to this program, forever thankful to A Vision for You. And, um, you know, I hope if anyone is on the line still resisting this process, I would say, you know, it really transformed my life and uh, it was the best thing I could have ever done is to really be honest, put my food down and work this best. That I best thing. Thank you, Renata. And again, a reminder, please, everyone, keep your phones muted. Kim, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm going to focus on that first sentence. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. There's a big difference between the freedom from not eating and the freedom from the mental obsession. I think sometimes we get confused on that because there is a freedom in not in not eating. There's, you know, I sleep a little bit better. My mind's a little bit clearer. You know, I'm I'm, I'm able to focus a little bit more. And but that's not the freedom from the mental obsession. And sometimes I think we hear, or at least I know I said, oh, I'm feeling these promises because I was abstinent only. But that wasn't freedom. That was really God's grace that I have to take advantage of to get through these steps. So I want to talk about cease fighting anything or anyone. What do, what do I get when I'm abstinent only? You know, in my experience, abstinent only was fighting everything and everyone, including the food. Because these were some of my game plans. This is the way that I would stay abstinent if I was not working the steps. I'd have to look out for being hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I would have to avoid people, places, and things. You know, a common saying in my area is, we have to let the tiger out of the cage three times a day. 
don't kick up no matter what, no matter what, don't kick up. And I'm saying it angry because that's the way it felt. I have to avoid everything. I can have no food in my house. I can't watch TV commercials that have food on it. If I'm going to visit someone, they can't have that food in the house or I'm not coming to see them. And I have to say personally, I think waitresses and waiters should get hazard pay for serving a bunch of compulsive overeaters who are abstinent only. Don't put that on the table. I need that on the side. I want to know what the cook, I want the cook to come out here and put his hand on the Bible, but there's not this in the food. That was my experience in abstinence only, fighting everything or everyone. In a simple way, I'll just put this. You know, from my experience for 17 years, what I would do is I'd put down the food and I would face the food. And I would fight it with tools, with meetings, with human aid, with being on guard. And I would always go back to the food. But four and a half years ago, when I was done, when I was spiritually bankrupt, what I did is I put down the food and I faced the solution. And I ran toward that solution with everything I had and the food naturally went into the background. And I naturally started to cease fighting everything and everyone. Not because of my abstinence, but because of the work that I did. I had six years of back-to-back abstinence, white-knuckled, and let me tell you, I, could, I felt every minute of it. I could tell you down to the minute of how long it had been since I had a bagel. When somebody asks me how long I'm accident, I have to think about it because I've ceased fighting anything or anyone. And I'm going to end with this. The miracle today is not that I can beat the food exhausted using human aid all day to stay abstinent. The miracle today is I do not want the food. The food has no I have no desire to eat it. If you want that freedom, I suggest you do the steps. And I want to just suggest everyone, look at these 10-step promises and ask yourself, what does abstinence only give you? Does it give you these promises? In my experience, it does not. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And this is Monica, and I would like to jump in here for a a minute or two. Here we are in step 10. And it just always amazes me and gave me such hope when this was pointed out to me. That here are the promises having to do with my food in step 10. Oh, shoot, Monica. Monica, we don't hear you. Okay, while we await her return, who else would like to share on these first four sentences on the last paragraph of page 84? Ellen M. Ellen? Alice. Alice. Who else? Amy E. Amy E. Okay, Alice, why don't you go ahead? Thank you. This is Alice, a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And um, for we have we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. And I want to mention that too. That a previous speaker said that um, it says we will seldom, not we will never be interested in liquor. Um, because I have I have food thoughts um, all the time, and I take care of that. But this is when I read the sentence. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. In the past, what that has meant to me, I thought only was food. Like if there's a pastry on the counter, I need to walk away, get away. That will kill me. That will burn me. Um, now, farther along, um, it does definitely mean that specific food. It also means, you know, recoil from the thinking, recoil from a lot of my thinking, like mm-hmm. that I can chew sugarless gum today, that I can have caffeine or diet sodas, artificial sweeteners, wheat for me. Um, and those are the physical things. But also, um, I recoil from, you know, it says, um, um, you know, hot flame. Okay, food, but for me, it's also recoil from engaging with my disease. And that can happen in lots of ways that will then lead to the food. And one thing, engaging in in my disease would be um, jumping on an opportunity to argue with my husband or daughter. And... Um, or um, 
thinking, you know, I can, um, I can, I can tough out this obsessive thought I'm having right now around food, tough it out and not have to make a phone call. So those are the thoughts that I need to recoil from today, that I can do this on my own. Just an example, yesterday I was at um, a huge, beautiful aquarium with my um, daughter and husband, and um, I, I was triggered in there. I was triggered by all the beautiful silvery fish. I tell you, I, I'm a vegetarian. I thought, you know what? I decided I'm not going to be a vegetarian because I so want a can of sardines with oil, a drenched in oil. I just, it was, it was kind of comical, but it was like such a strong feeling, and I think it was a craving. And I don't believe that just a craving only occurs when I put the substance in my mouth. Because I think over the past 70 years since this big book was written, there's been a lot of scientific research that shows that our brain chemistry changes. It's as if I can look at cocaine, it'll change my brain chemistry. Same thing with food, items, and different things. So so I had this obsession that I, I wanted a can of sardines, and then it changed. I didn't call someone at that point. I could have recoiled from that thought, engaging in that thought, and called another food addict and just said, this is what I'm thinking. And so what does it do? And the next thing it goes into was, I want a filet of fish at McDonald's with that crappy cheese and crappy... So it's it's growing, it's getting bigger and bigger, and then all of a sudden there's an argument with my daughter that I really want to engage in. So those are the things that I need to recoil from, those old thoughts and behaviors, those old patterns. Um, obviously the food, but it goes much more beyond that today. And um, I, that's all I have to share. Thanks. Thank you, Alice. And Amy E., you're up. <laughs> Welcome back, Monica. Hi, Amy. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Recovering in uh, rural northwestern Ohio. Thanks so much, everybody, for your service. Um, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for us, even food. I often reflect on what this means for us in our litigious society and what what this would mean for me were I to be rear-ended by someone or um, some calamity befall me. Um, I know that I used to sponsor a woman in another fellowship who had lost custody of her daughter through her use of drugs and alcohol to her husband. And she was burning through money um, and to hire attorneys to fight that. And it was um, her husband, her ex-boyfriend's fault. He had lied. Her ex-in-law's fault. They had conspired against her. It was the social worker's fault. She made up an abuse claim. You know, it was, and, and she was fighting, 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 fighting. She was sober. But it consumed her. It consumed her. The anger, the resentment, the fight. And, you know, um, as in, in, in sponsoring her and trying to get her to see her part, it was really difficult because it would come down to, this is my daughter. This is my daughter. I want my daughter. Um, and I don't have children, so I don't know, uh, I, I, I don't know that feeling. Um, and that's a very strong, very powerful, very instinctual um, feeling uh, to want to be with your daughter and, and have your daughter and have custody of your daughter. Um, but it, it just makes me reflect when I think of this and when I think of my own desires to, um, you know, fight, argue, file a claim, file a complaint, take this, you know, let me speak to your manager, that kind of um uh, fighting, you know, I'm right, um, I've been wronged, you need to know about it, um, I have rights. Um, by this time in working through the steps, um, one through nine, we see our apartment and we see, um, you know, things happen to us, people hurt us, but we're also encouraged to take a look at where we set the ball in motion and to clean up our side of the street. And often in the process of doing that, what I find is that I have compassion and, and um, I'm also encouraged to develop love and tolerance as my code of behavior. 
So it's something that I reflect upon. It's also something that I'm just amazed at with Alcoholics Anonymous, that its own stance um, is that it doesn't litigate. Um, you know, uh, groups um, use the AA name for things. Uh, it actually dropped the circle and triangle symbol because it just didn't want to have to litigate that with um, other organizations that were using that on, you know, Hazelden literature or something like that. AA just didn't want to get involved in trying to defend a trademark. So it dropped it as a quote-unquote official symbol of Alcoholics Anonymous. I really love that. I think that's an amazing um, goal to shoot for in my own life when these kinds of things happen. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy E. Would anyone else like to comment on this pair? Hannah, these four Leah. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah, okay. I heard Hannah. I heard Leah, and we're still hearing a lot of background noise. Please, everyone, please check your phones and make sure they're muted. All right, Hannah, go ahead. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado, and I'm glad to be on the line. I, um, you know, I had an experience a number of years ago with. Um, a young niece of mine who showed clear signs that she had been molested and I had to do something and I worked out what steps to take and who to talk to um, and taking some legal steps but I wasn't fighting <laughs> my stuff wasn't engaged and that's what the ceasing fighting, it doesn't mean I don't protect the child who needs to be protected. It means that I don't bring my baggage to her need. And, and it, it has been, you know, at other points when I've had to intervene with, for a niece or a nephew with my siblings because of, because of my siblings' violent behavior towards them, I have been able to do it without without hating them, you know, without even being angry at them, just being crystal clear that this is unacceptable behavior and you have to stop doing this. And it, it it's an extraordinary, you know, I call it grace that, that has, if it's possible to use that word without the theological implications of it, it, it is a kind of, it, it's an emotional neutrality with clear awareness of the action to be taken. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Hannah. Leia, you're up. Thanks so much, Monica, for your service this morning. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. For by this time, sanity will have returned, which implies that prior to this process, I was insane. <laughs> um, what, what does sanity mean? Sanity means wholeness of mind, a complete mind, a mind that can see the whole truth and make decisions based on that truth. Insanity means a less than whole mind, can't always see the truth and make decisions based on a lie. I, you know, prior to the program of recovery, um, I did not want to see the truth about my disability, that I had an allergy of the body um, regarding certain substances. So what was my life prior to God-centeredness? What was my life in self-centeredness? My life in self-centeredness was on page 22. You know, the almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazy and readily supplanted with the old threadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove, in essence, insanity. But look what happens after the program of recovery through the process of these steps, and I'm restored to sanity, what happens? If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. 
So the program of recovery restores my sanity. I'm no longer subject to being hijacked by the obsession of the mind. And that's a result of this program of recovery. Something came between me and compulsive overeating more than 28 years ago and has been there ever since, and that's called the recovery process. And if the problem is that you're powerless over food and you're tired of living an unmanageable life, uh, we have a recovery process. And the steps are designed to relieve us of that mental obsession and restore us to sanity. Through taking these 12 steps, we're relieved of that obsession. How do you know if you're recovered? Recovery can be measured. How do you know if you're recovered? Has the obsession of the mind been expelled? You know, so through these 12 steps, we're relieved of the obsession for food. It's gone. We're not deprived. We're restored to sanity. We are restored to sanity. And that is as a result of this program of recovery. And, you know, that, that is the message of hope here, that we I no longer need to take that first bite because I no longer want to take that first bite because this program has given me the principles and a relationship with God that allows for changes within myself and within my attitude. So it's no longer necessary for me to look for some uh, chemical substance, some food substance to make me feel comfortable. The other thing that that says is that this program works. This program works as a result of coming to Overeaters Anonymous, getting a copy of this book, performing the requirements in this book. I am very happy to announce that I have not changed my mind about taking that first bite uh, for a long, long time, and that is a miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dahlia. And um, I think we've gotten a pocket call this morning. (laughs) And we've come to the end of our time here, so... Uh, I would like to thank everyone who has shared, and we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Alice M., could you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Yes, this is Alice, Expulsive Overeater and Bulimic from Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.